Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Earlier in the week, Governor J.B. Pritzker announced the restrictions after COVID-related numbers spiked in the city. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot asked the governor to reverse that order for the sake of restaurant owners who were, in her words, hanging on by a thread. But when we got the mayor on the line today, she said that she and Pritzker are once again on the same page. The governor and I and our respective teams had a very frank, but I think ultimately productive conversation. I expressed uh, uh, what we've been hearing from our business partners Um, And we're going to keep advocating, obviously, for the city of Chicago. But the governor and I are aligned that we um, need to keep working together. um, And that's the only way we're going to be able to work um, through this. But ultimately, uh, the other thing I think that we're aligned on is people have to adhere uh, to the public health guidance. You've got to wear a mask in public. You've got to social distance. As Dr. Ari and I um, really emphasized last week, um, we've, where we're seeing a significant uptick um, in cases is uh, between people who know each other mm-hmm. um, in, in, and in the home setting. So that's why we encouraged, even last week, to limit the number of people that are coming into your home on a daily basis. We obviously know that care workers, other essential uh, folks need to come into the home, but really we're urging people to take advantage of of the opportunity uh, to really button down the hatches when it comes to um, who's coming inside and outside of your home. I get it. People let down their guard when they close the door and they walk in and unburden themselves uh, from the day, but we have to remain diligent. Fundamentally, that is the only thing that is going to get us through on this second surge of COVID-19 cases. Mm. We had some some business owners on uh, this week who who said, you know, the the issue they have is just the... uh, scattershot nature of it, the, the contradictions, opening, keeping casinos open or, or, or possibly, you know, big box stores, but, but restaurants and bars seem to be taking the brunt of it. What's your response to business owners in the city of Chicago, restaurant owners, bar owners who feel like it's all over the place? I understand the concern and frustration uh, that many, many businesses have. Believe me, um, we're in regular cadence of conversations with them, and I've been inundated over the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, but we're going to work hard uh, to do everything we can uh, to mitigate the economic harm to the businesses in the city of Chicago, which we're just starting to come back online and are really hanging uh, by a thread. I hear that loud and clear. I certainly express that um, in my conversation conversation with the governor, and we just have to keep working with industry, businesses of all sectors and all sizes um, to find uh, solutions um, that are going to mitigate the harm to them and their employees. We saw the story, uh, some suburban restaurants are are lining up to defy the order to say, you know, we're going to keep open, we're we're not going to go with these restrictions. What do you say to Chicago businesses that are like, yeah, I want to do that too? No, that's not a that's not a viable path forward. Look, the fact of the matter is, we're in a pandemic, and as we signaled last week, um, the numbers that we're seeing um, are alarming. We're 
on a trajectory um, to meet or exceed what we saw in the spring, which is precisely why we sounded the alarm a week ago. Now, look, the, our businesses are smart and sophisticated. Um, they, all of us now have come, become very conversant in the lingo of epidemiology around this disease. But the truth is, it's unpredictable. Uh, it moves in a lot of different ways. Three weeks ago, we were in a dramatically different place than we are today. And we've just got to hang in there together as a city. If we do not work together, if we're not united, we will not get through this, and we'll all be the worse for it. Uh, listening to Reset here on 91.5 WBEZ, I'm Justin Kaufman. With me, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let's switch to budget talk. Uh, the, the budget proposal includes a lot <laughs> to, to unpack, but let's talk about uh, one of the issues you talked about was cutting costs by doing a complete audit of city contracts. Yes. This has been something that's been on autopilot for many years here in the city of Chicago. How do you plan to do this, and, and how much do you think it'll save? Well, we have conservatively said that it will save uh, $25 million next year. I think that that number is probably low, but we wanted to make sure uh, that we were putting in a number that was realistic. Look, the fact of the matter is we have hundreds of contracts that are over 10 years old, some of them literally dating back to the 1990s, where we keep renewing them on one-year increments that effectively makes these de facto sole source contracts. We have got to ask the right questions now, which we've started to do. I put a team on this um, starting in September. They've been hard at work, and we're going to continue to push. We need to ask ourselves, do we still need these contracts? Are we getting the best bargain, given that these contracts, were, if they're 10 years old, that means they were probably bid 11 or 12 years ago. So we've got to ask the tough questions. We've got to unbundle these contracts in a way that provides opportunity for new um, vendors, new contractors, to be able to take advantage of the procurement of goods and services by the city every year. Is there any so specific? There are no sticker cows. Uh, I'm channeling my inner uh, procurement geek here, um, <laughs> but I, I want to make sure that we are doing right by our vendors, right by our taxpayers, and we've got to take a hard look at all of these contracts. Uh, is there surprising contracts you found? I mean, the, asking your inner uh, procurement geek, <laughs> is there, are, there, are there surprising contracts we don't know about or, or things that you're like, how, how are we paying for this? Well, look, a lot more, I think, will be revealed. We're digging into the data uh, now, but here's, here's the reality. When you've got contracts um, that are not unique and that they, they have been in place since the 1990s, that in and of itself, in my view, is a problem. We just started scratching the surface of this, uh, but as we go along, we'll certainly uh, be disclosing more of this information to the public. But uh, the other thing that we know about this is our software systems have to be updated because they don't speak to each other, and it took a long time to gather what should be very basic information. But there's got to be a level of accountability. We've got to rebid the contracts um, that are actually essential. We've got to get rid of the ones um, that don't, and we've got to unbundle them in such a way that we are providing new opportunities for Chicago-based businesses that work and hire from our city. 
Okay, so let's talk about some other things because that's just one way that you're trying to balance the budget. Uh, you know, there's so many other things uh, from from land to, to stamps. But uh, it, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, there's a property tax increase. It's modest. You also have, uh, you know, layoffs that are uh, scheduled if you don't get the stimulus money from c- Congress. Are you concerned about getting aldermen on board to pass a spending plan that includes those issues, those 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 uh, property tax uh, increases and uh, layoffs? Of course. Um, look, this is a really, really tough budget. But we have very little um, choices. There were no easy choices. When you're looking at um, a $1.2 billion deficit caused 65% by COVID-related losses, there are not a lot of easy answers. If they were easy, we would have taken them. Uh, but we worked very, very hard, our financial team, um, really going back um, to the early part of the summer, looking at what the projections were going to be, trying to refine them. And we did what we, we were going to do um, every year with our budget. We start looking inward first. And we looked at um, what other efficiencies and savings can be generated so that we don't go to the taxpayers as a first uh, course, but we go to them as the last course. And we've generated over half a billion dollars uh, in savings and efficiencies. And yes, those do include uh, personnel reductions. Look, as a kid who grew up in a family that lived paycheck to paycheck, this, this possibility of layoffs has worn extraordinarily heavily on me. You know, I've had a lot of sleepless nights worrying about this very issue. This is a tough economy. And I absolutely do not relish the prospect of laying off a single worker, let alone the numbers that we're talking about, 300 to 350. This is tough stuff. And for all those people who are saying, we should do more layoffs, you know, easily said, if you're not thinking about the human cost of this, and I do, I sweat those details. I worry about these people and our employees who have worked their tail off in a really difficult year, and I worry about the impact on their families. That's why we're giving every opportunity for Congress to bridge this bipartisan, this partisan divide and do the right thing for our cities, not just Chicago, but cities and towns all over our state, all over our region, all over our country are absolutely at their last uh, ebb. We are on our knees and we need federal resources. It, it, is, it is the only thing that's gonna save us from this worst case scenario budget. This is a pandemic budget. We assume no additional dollars from the federal government, but boy, oh boy, do I hope I'm wrong. You kind of campaigned on the fact that, that, you know, it wasn't going to be politics as usual in the city of Chicago. But are you willing to horse trade with aldermen to get their support on this uh, on this uh, budget plan? Well, we always listen um, to aldermen. We always look for ways that we can do better. But I don't buy votes. That is not who I am. And I've been very clear uh, with aldermen. Some don't like it. Some think I'm crazy. <laughs> but I don't bu- bu- buy votes. Um, I think there's – in this time – where we are facing such dire consequences, economic consequences, fiscal consequences um, as a city, it's time for each of us uh, to look inward and step up and be leaders. This is a very difficult time for our city. And it can't be about me. It's got to be about we. It's got to be about us working together. And so we're going to continue to listen. 
Um, we baked in uh, a number of recommendations that the aldermen um, gave to us. We started these conversations back in the summer. But the fact of the matter is, given the size of the hole, there are no easy answers. Yeah. There just aren't. If there were, we would have taken them. Well, I mean, it's just uh, the, it's interesting to watch is how, um, you know, the, the ratings uh, agencies are, are already uh, looking at Chicago's credit rating. Uh, Fitch says stable to negative, uh, that the budget plan entails some degree of execution risk. I mean, you knew that stuff was coming because this is not an easy budget. So what do you say when you're trying to keep that credit rating going during a pandemic? Well, look, we've got to do everything we can to make um, that happen. We've spent a, a significant amount of time, me personally, uh, and even beyond that, on uh, my team. We've met with them several times leading up to uh, the announcement of the budget, and we'll continue um, to engage with them uh, throughout. But if we are downgraded and we lose our rating, um, that is catastrophic, uh, potentially catastrophic uh, for our taxpayers, because that means we have to borrow every year. That's just a reality, um, given the structural deficits that we're still going to be plagued with for many years to come, in part because of the pension obligations that we have. Uh, we're going to have to um, return to borrowing. Mm -hmm. The size of it is large this year. We recognize that. But if we have to borrow with essentially poor credit um, or worse credit, you know, everybody can appreciate that. The cost of trying to borrow, if you're able to borrow, goes up exponentially. Yeah. So that's why we work so hard to uh, retain our ratings with the rating agencies. That's why we're not um, going to uh, be in a position to just raid our rainy day fund and use that as a substitute. That's just not going uh, to work because it will bring uh, catastrophe to our city. And as I said to every single alderman that I've talked to, whether individually or in groups, we're not just in a rainy day, we're in a rainy season. And so if we are not prudent in the way that we manage the money that we have, if we spend every dollar now, what happens if we don't get any federal dollars? What happens if the pandemic stretches deep into 2021? We've mm -hmm. got to be smart about how we're managing precious, precious taxpayer dollars. Uh, before I let you go, I want to turn to CPS. Uh, just had the deadline for parents of special education students and pre-K students to decide whether or not children would be returning to in-person learning. What a decision parents have to make here, Mayor. Uh, yeah, right, I know. Listen, what do you I do with that? It. I mean, you're um, right I've in the middle of a 12-year-old. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I it's really, really difficult. It's really difficult to be making this decision um, in the in the context of cases that are going up. But here's why it's important that we start this dialogue now. We don't know what's going to happen in November, um, but we have to start this dialogue now because it is a simple matter of equity. Mm -hmm. Remote learning works well for some students. It does not for others. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is it's so critically important for those pre-K to second grade kids to have that point of connection, to be able to learn the fundamentals, because after third grade, we assume you know your math. We assume you know how to read. And if we don't get that social emotional learning for those kids at the earliest possible stage, we are going to um, be the lesser for it, and those kids are going to be set back. For the kids with special needs, school is just not a place where they learn their ABCs. They rely upon the school, teachers' aids and supports, um, health care, food. There's a whole 
array of services that are provided to our diverse learners that they just can't get from a Zoom screen. Yeah. And we can't predict what's going to happen in November, sitting here in October, but it's important for us to sound the alarm that there's an equity crisis that's happening for some of our children, and we've got to face that head on. Obviously, we're always going to be guided by the public health guidance, always. But we're not going to put kids um, in any form of danger. But we have to understand uh, what the dynamics are. We've got to speak clearly and transparently to parents. We're following very closely the experience of other school systems in the city, the archdiocese in particular, but some of our other private schools that have had in-person learning since September, and they've been weathering the storm fine. It's not, no one is getting through this risk-free. There are no risk-free scenarios that anyone could create. But we've learned a lot from the experience of these other schools, and we're sharing that with parents as they make this most important decision. And, you know, the hard part here is that any decision that's made in the middle of October is different in the in the middle of November because of the numbers. And, and just, just today, I mean, oh, the numbers are through the roof. Fair. So what do you say to parents who who are thinking about wanting their kids to go back into school, but seeing these numbers kind of that, that may stay the same for a while because we're entering the winter months uh, about whether or not they're going to be uh, back in in-person learning sometime in the 2021 school season. Again, we can't predict the future. We're always going to follow the public health guidance. But for the reasons that I stated regarding equity, we've got to build a pathway to get our students back uh, at the most appropriate time. And with CPS, you can't just flick a light switch. You've, there's, and appropriately so, got to be levels, levels of engagement with the community uh, of the schools, the parents, the students, the teachers, the principals, the staff. All of that is really important. Uh, we can't just impose a solution from on high. There's got to be dialogue, which is precisely what CPS is doing. Again, the determination will be made at the appropriate time as to whether or not November is the right time or not. And again, we're going to be guided uh, by the public health guidance, but we've got to have a dialogue with our most important stakeholders, and that's students and parents. Yeah. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot, thanks so much for taking some time to check in with us. We appreciate it. No, absolutely my pleasure. Thanks very much. And that's today's Reset. For more great conversations like this one, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Tomorrow you won't want to miss our weekly news roundup. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. If you need a break from the news, WBEZ's Nerd App Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club. Listen to Nerd App wherever you get your podcasts.